Welcome to Streamed and Screened, the movies and entertainment podcast from Lee Enterprises. I am the co-host, Chris Lay. I'm the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises, and I am here with Bruce Miller, longtime entertainment reporter and currently the editor at the Sioux City Journal. And uh, yeah, we have an interview with Ron Howard about 13 Lives, the Amazon movie that he did about the soccer team and the the rescue of them. So stick around for that. But how's it going, Bruce? What have you what, what have you seen lately? If you can see me, I've got big bags under my eyes because I've been watching movies all night long. Two or three o'clock in the morning, I've been watching things because now is the time when we get to see the screeners for some of these films that probably won't come out till January, but they wanna try and get on your year end list. And so I've been just trying to pour through these and it's really, it's frustrating because you wanna really enjoy them and take them each one by one and kind of appreciate that instead of having a bunch of crap that you normally see the rest of the year, you know, you're going and you think, well, that's mediocre. I don't know if I really want to say anything good about that, but it's a lot of good stuff that's coming out now. And so to try and see it's, it's like too much. If you've ever felt like you've gotten too much of a good thing, here it is, this is it. But um, more recently, one that's coming out this weekend in a number of markets, it's called Spoiler Alert. And it's based on a book written by Michael Osiello, um, who uh, is, is an editor and, and producer at TV Line, and he was a TV guy. And he had written this book about his husband who had died of cancer. Okay, stop right there. That's a, a story that we've seen how many times, right? Terms of Endearment, Steel Magnolias. It's just, you, you go right down the line, you can find a place to stick this because somebody is dying and people are reacting. But this is a fascinating film because you see how this relationship changes his life and how he was probably very closeted before he met this man at a bar and they fell in love and then they had to try and share that information with their family. And then we bring in the, uh-oh, he's dying aspect. And there are a lot of little fun kind of quirky things. And he does actually reference terms of endearment in, in the course of this where he goes screaming at the front desk because his um, husband is not getting a bed. No, he will get a bed. We must get a bed. Then, of course, the other guy references, well, that's like a scene right out of Terms of Endearment. So there's a, a kind of a meta level to the whole thing. Very fascinating and very heartbreaking movie. When you see it, Sally Field plays the mother of the dying boyfriend slash husband. Jim Parsons plays Michael Osiello. And then um, a newcomer that we haven't seen from Great Britain plays the kit, the man who's dying. It all rolls together. It's quite entertaining, quite telling, and um, very touching. So I interviewed Michael this week, and we talked all about this. I've known him for a number of years um, because he does the same kind of stuff I do, you know. And he said it was a different kind of a, a feeling when you're on a set making a movie about your life. And then he's been able to kind of separate it as, as time has gone on because he's seen it so many times in the, in the theaters for various screenings and whatnot. But um, he doubts, you know, is there going to be ever another book that he'll write or another movie that he'll make? Who knows? But for somebody who's on the other end of the spectrum where he interviews people and then now suddenly he's being interviewed, it is a different world. 
Um, so it's fascinating to see that, but it is one of those movies that's coming out that I think you would enjoy. And I think you'd appreciate some of the things that maybe the pitfalls that he has avoided because he's seen too many movies and seen too many TV shows and been able to avoid those kinds of things. So that's coming out this weekend. It's called Spoiler Alert, and it's based on his book. And that's Michael Osiello. Osiello, yeah. But to interject another Michael into it, it's directed by Michael Showalter, who is formerly of the uh, sketch comedy group The State. Uh, he was best known as the director of, uh, most recently, The Big Sick, the uh, Kumail Nanjiani uh, romantic comedy. Uh, another worried about somebody dying film. And um, even, you know, going further and further back uh, to 2001, he was the director of What Hot American Summer. So it's an interesting looking at What Hot American Summer as this cult comedy classic. And then The Big Sick, which blends health tragedy with comedy. And then obviously in between, he also did The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which we've we've talked about. It's also co-written by... Dan Savage, yeah. best known for Savage Love, the column. And David Marshall Grant, who's an actor who had done a, a couple of Broadway shows, too, that um, he had written. So there's there's a lot of theatrical hands in the fire. So that's spoiler alert. And look at any lead newspaper and you'll find the Michael Osiello story. And you'll also see a, a review of spoiler alert from me. Exactly. And I'll have links to those in the in the show notes for this. So check all of that out and um yeah over the weekend i watched violent night the new kind of john wick meets home alone movie about actual santa claus played by david harbour who thwarts to varying degrees a elaborate violent kidnapping plot and it's um it is fun it's not for kids very r-rated hard r how close to bad santa is it it's not so much close to Bad Santa. It's just, it's closer to a, a slasher in, in some ways. The, the kills are pretty over the top in a few instances. There's no like, you know, nudity or sex or anything like that. It's more a lot of foul language and the- Does he pop a gun on somebody? Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, he does. He's, uh, he, he's, he has a hammer. So you might be getting a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas, but Santa could use it on you. Exactly. I went and saw it with some friends and we all very much enjoyed it for exactly what it was. No, it's one, you know what? Oddly, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see this thing because I thought, yeah, that might be a nice take on holidays after so much kind of syrupy stuff from the Hallmark channel where you're just kind of ready to see somebody get it. It's it's not necessarily adult in in the same way that Bad Santa was. It's maybe closer to what Krampus was, if you saw okay. that movie from a, from like five, sure. six years ago. And the magical realism is handled very well. And David Harbour is, I mean, chewing on scenery. He, he's a, a very uh, pleasant person to, to spend that time with in that character. And uh, John Leguizamo's character is also pretty great. So I'm not going to dig too far into any of that. But uh, yeah, go see it. And... <laughs> I'm interested to know what you think when you see it. So get back to me once you're once you've officially dug yourself out from under all all of the the screeners that you're buried by. When I finally get out of the house, right? One of those things. You know that I'm not a horror fan, but I do like horror elements. So if it just has elements, I think I could be okay. 
you'll be fine with that. Yeah. Okay, good. That's great. Well, you know, this time of year too, they're bringing back a lot of films. They're giving you a second look at them. That's why you're still seeing, you know, Top Gun Maverick all over the place. It's, it hit the DVD market. That's your Christmas gift for somebody. You know, and there are, are films like that that they are looking for another push. Um, everything, every, everything, everywhere. All at once. All at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That thing is getting a huge replay right now. I've, if that is not one of the leading Oscar contenders this next year, it wasn't because they didn't push it. Um, and they are everywhere. Those people are showing up everywhere. And now they're even offering people like the stars of that movie um, for interviews. You know, maybe they wouldn't let you talk to them back in August, whenever, September, April, May, March, whenever. But now, because there's a chance that they could get another little bit of attention, they're offering them up. And that's the case with 13 Lives. 13 Lives was released on Amazon and uh, had a, a nice run, but it also had a, um, a little bit of attention there that maybe this is a picture that we want to look at one more time. And I got the opportunity to talk to Ron Howard, and I really wanted to know from him if he would ever turn his life story into a movie like The Fablemans, because come on, he was a child actor in a lot of huge things. He was in the original Music Man, he was in the Andy Griffith show where he had a long run there, American Graffiti. He went on and started doing, you know, uh, directing very early in his career. Working under Roger Corman. He was, uh, he right. did some of those early, yeah. And he has written a book this last year with his brother Clint called The Boys. And it'd be a perfect thing to turn into, you know, his own memoir on film. So I wanted to ask him about that. But then I also wanted to know about 13 Lives, because it sounded like a really difficult shoot. They had to build tanks to hold this kind of cave area where the boys are trapped, and the actors all had to do their own stunts. So you have Colin Farrow and Viggo Mortensen, you know, swimming underwater, and yet he, Ron couldn't be there. He couldn't be on the set because it was so confined. There was no room for him um, on the set. It is kind of wild. A... He's someone who I hesitate to say that the Oscars love because he's only been nominated a couple of times, but he he won for Beautiful Mind in 2002. And I think he, he's on that short list of people. He, he's one letter away from an EGOT. Apollo 13, you know, uh, he's got a lot of things that are on it. And now he's been doing a lot of documentaries too. Mm -hmm. He enjoys doing that, but you know, when do you decide when to do a documentary and when do you do a feature film? Yep. And that's another thing he talks about as well. So you'll get all that when you hear him talking about his experience with 13 lives. Yep. And hopefully, um, you know, sometime in the future, he'll, he'll win himself a Tony and get on he that, on that short, short list. He could turn that story of his, his life with his brother into a Broadway musical. Wouldn't it be easy? Come on. I'd be all for it. I don't know who they'd cast as Clint, but. Well, there got to be two brothers that could do it. Maybe a couple <laughs> yes. of Hemsworths that can, there's got to be some Hemsworth blood later in the line. Right? There we go. Well, I mean, also, you know, Chris Hemsworth is, he's he's hanging it up from Thor coming up real soon, apparently. So he wants to have a hamburger at some point and really have a real meal. He's tired of eating, mm -hmm. you know, whatever and exercising 24 hours a day. So you can't blame him. 
We'll have links to all the movies that we talked about in the show notes. But in just a moment, we've got Bruce Miller talking with multi-hyphenate award-winning director, Hollywood legend, Ron Howard, about his film, 13 Lives, and his new book, The Boys. Are you ready, Ron? Absolutely. Did you have a sign on the set that said you will get wet? <laughs> and you know what? The spaces were so tight in the tanks that we built that there was no room for a director to even get in there. I've always been in the water for whether it's a large tank or the deep or the actual open ocean uh, on the movies that I've directed. And in this one, I wasn't. I was at the monitor. Often I was actually balancing two units, the water unit and the dialogue production unit at the same time with monitors going. So it was uh, it was dense, but it wasn't about me getting wet. It was, a, but I was concerned about the actors because they committed to doing all the diving themselves, which was great. And it was, you know, I was told it was safe, and uh, and it, it gave me all kinds of opportunities to create suspense and drama and really connect the characters to those caves. But, uh, but it, it, you know, it, later, even though I kept asking them, you know, how's it going? Is it all right? And it was all, yeah, Ron, we're okay. Later, I found out they'd all had like panic attacks or, you know, moments of real anxiety in the midst of it. It was tight, tight quarters. I, I would have it. I'm telling you that right now. With this kind of story, though, how did you decide that you were going to do it as a feature and not as a documentary? Because you've done a lot of documentaries lately. Well, there were already documentaries that had been made and were in the process of being made. And so in my mind, um, sort of my my mandate was to take this story. I look, I think all the all versions are valid. This is an amazing story and it needs to be it deserves to be looked at, understood and appreciated over and over again in whatever format. But I felt like our job with to, in a movie version with world class actors was to, to really do that other thing in dramatizing it with honesty in the information and in the details, but create that kind of dramatic empathy that, um, that with an audience, that connection with what, what really did it feel like to be there? Not just what happened, um, but, but what would it have been like to be there alongside those parents, alongside those doctors? You do feel that. Did you have trouble communicating with then Asian actors or was that? I Well, I had a lot of help. I had two co-producers who were Thai who initially began working on the film to help with our, our translation and make sure that it, it wasn't just some sort of academic translation. It was real dialogue. But it went so much further because they began to share with me nuances and details of Thai culture that weren't necessarily reflected in a script written by a Westerner, you know. And sure. then I began to engage with the with the actors themselves. Some spoke a lot of English, some none. And, and so between the interpreters, our, my co-producers and the actors themselves and our cinematographer, Sayampu Muktipram, who's a world-class cinematographer, who's Thai, uh, you know, I had layers of uh of um of sort of um uh of supervision you know in this regard one last question though with your own you did a book with your brother would you ever turn that into a movie <laughs> i don't know if there's a movie story there because thank god and i'm knocking on wood right now there're not not quite enough drama to 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 carry a movie narrative 
thank thank you i'm glad uh, <laughs> uh you know i'm grateful for that um but um but it's been great the, very gratifying the response that that people have had to the uh to the book and maybe maybe someday clint or i will see a you know a movie narrative or a tv series in there who knows You'll pull a Spielberg and do the the Fableman. Right? <laughs> I love the Fablemans. I thought it was just great, by the way. I did too. Hey, thank you so much. And this is wonderful. So thank you for doing the film. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Great talking to you. That was Bruce Miller talking with Ron Howard. Thank you so much to Ron Howard for taking the time to talk. We'll have links to the boys, the book, the um, all the movies we talked about, including 13 Lives, which I believe is on Amazon Prime. What do we got next week, Bruce? Next week, we're going to dig into 1923. Now, 1923, in case you didn't realize, it was called 1932 at one point. They flipped it, made it 1923. So it fits right between the Yellowstone series that you watch, you're watching now, probably, and 1883, which was the prequel to all of this. So it's in the middle. And it tells you what happened to that Dutton family during the 1920s and 30s. It stars Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford, but it also features Jennifer Ely, who's in She Said, and we talk about that. And then it also has James Badge Dale, who um, has been in a lot of big movies and plays the right-hand man of Harrison Ford's in this. And he talks about what that experience is like. So we have that coming next week. You'll be seeing that before the series premieres on Paramount. And we will also be running down our top films of the year once uh bruce manages to to squeeze e even more of these screeners into his life finally get through that whole thing I, I i got the whale the other night and i'm waiting to see that that opens in theaters this week dying to see the whale with mm -hmm. brendan frazier and i think that could be a, a real consideration for best actor thank you bruce thank you to ron howard thank you to you, the listener, for spending your time with us. And we'll be back next week with all that fun stuff. Thank you for spending your time trapped in the cave with us, right? Absolutely. Trapped in the cave. And what you cannot do in the cave is something that we always like to advocate for here. And that is screen something good, stream something good. Yes. And uh, be back next week. Thanks a bunch. Edward Scissorhands, you can cut that sucker up real good, I bet.